Hi, this is Mike. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing at the Heights Fellowship. We hope you enjoy this message. We know it's not the same thing as being here in person, but we pray that God would move as you listen and as God applies this to your heart. Today is Father's Day. As you've probably already heard, congratulations, fathers. You've made it to this point as fathers. And uh, we celebrate you today. And uh, today the, the message is entitled... Get my clicker out here. What's the point? And after I got to thinking about that's appropriate title for a Father's Day message. What's the point? You know, we celebrated mom. We lavished her a month ago. I looked up the history. It was 58 years after we declared Mother's Day as a national holiday that we made Father's Day a day. You know, you know what's the point, you know? Um, but this is not a Father's Day message. This is, uh, we're going to continue in the series of, about hearing God that Mike's been going through for the last several months, and from Acts 27. Now, what prompted me to, to uh, speak on this passage today is that when our staff was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, back at the end of April at, at uh, a conference, I heard a lady speak, her name's Danielle Strickland, and she used a verse from this passage that just stuck with me, still stuck with me. And we're going to look at that verse here in a little bit, but we're also going to look at the entire chapter because it's important for us to get the context of what Acts 27 is talking about. On Thursday mornings for the last, what, uh, 48 weeks, I think we determined, we've been studying the book of Acts. And two weeks ago, I found out I was going to be speaking today that Mike had to be out of town and we had just completed Acts 27, which was another reminder of the importance of what this passage has to say. And when you just read Acts 27 and you see what's happening there, it's, it's a story about Paul and when they get shipwrecked. Right? And we just read that story real quickly a lot of times and don't realize what's going on there. There's a literal shipwreck taking place. But I think there's also a lot of messages and challenges and encouragement for us to hear God. Because in that passage, we're going to see Paul heard from God in the midst of all this is going on. And it wasn't just for Paul that he heard what he heard. It was for 276 other people that needed to hear that. And so we're going we're gonna to pick it apart. We're going to read all 44 verses in that chapter today, and we're going to look at some takeaways from each one of those paragraphs in that chapter as you break it down. But this idea of hearing God is important. And so often we think about it, you know, I need to hear God for me, but often we need to hear God for someone else. And so we need to be sensitive to God speaking into our lives and then standing on that and continuing to communicate that. And so, what's the point? What's the point of what we do as a, as a church, as a person, as a follower of Christ? Well, for Paul, Paul's point began in the instruction from Acts 1.8, which said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We all, we all know that passage. We know that's where the, the church is commissioned by Jesus and charged by Jesus to take the gospel to the rest of the world. 
And it starts where you are and it moves out to the remotest parts of the earth. And then we see Paul writing Romans before this shipwreck that we're going to look at takes place. And Paul said, so for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul had the point, the purpose, the desire to get to Rome, which at the time was the center of the world, to share the gospel, to get there and make sure there were churches planted there. He wanted to get there. And then in Acts 23, leading up to what we're going to look at today, says the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. <clears throat> so not only did he have a desire to share the gospel, to take Jesus Christ to the rest of the world, but, but the Lord stands next to him and says, you're going to get there. And if you know the whole story of Acts, it's about the church beginning, and we get to kind of walk Paul's life about what happens to him. The Acts 1-8 verse, we start early in that chapter, in that uh, book. And in Acts 9, we see Saul's conversion, who we know to become Paul. He becomes a follower of Christ as opposed to the persecutor of Christ leading up to that. Then in Acts 13, he begins his purpose, taking it to the world. First missionary journey, stopped in several towns. We have letters that remind us of those places he stopped. Acts 15 takes another trip, what we call the second missionary journey. Acts 18 his third missionary journey. So from the point of his conversion in Acts 9, he continues to wherever he goes to take the gospel to the world. For Paul, the point was to do exactly that. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's the way he lived his life. He said that to the Philippians. And in Acts 23, we see Paul under arrest now for doing exactly what God had told him to do. And then Paul encounters Jesus again. Acts 23, the Lord stood by his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome. Even in the midst of being on trial, he knew what God had told him. He heard him. He listened. He was being obedient to that. And then Acts 24, multiple trials begin. He's before... Three different judges as we get to read about that. And then in Acts 25, toward the end of that last judgment, he says, I appeal to Caesar. Because he was a Roman citizen, he could, because they had no proof that he had done anything against the law. And because he appealed to Caesar, no one under that could make a decision. So they had to take him to Rome. Where did God say he was going to be? I'm going to get to Rome. Or did Paul have a desire to share the gospel in Rome? So we see Paul's on his way when we get to Acts 27. Notice as we go through the slides, I've highlighted in green the people that Paul has influence with during this, this story, during this, this chapter. Okay? So notice that as we read through the passage those things highlighted in green are people that he has engaged, people that he has influence with. When it was decided that he would sail for Italy, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners 
to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in an Andrometian ship, which was about to sail to the region along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, another believer, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. From there we put out to, put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us on board it. When we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had arrived off Sinaitis, since the wind did not permit us to go further, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. And with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. So he's on his way. He's following after what God's called him to do. He now has a vehicle, a ship, that's going to get him to Rome, where God said he was going to go. So here's the deal. Here's the first point. The first takeaway is that proceeding with the point, and the point for Paul was to take the gospel to Rome. Proceeding with the point means putting yourself in the process of accomplishing the point. Okay? If the point is for us as believers to follow after Christ, taking the gospel to those who don't know, then we've got to put ourselves in a position to do that. Paul had done that. That's what we see in this passage. Even though as you read it, it's lots of, okay, they did this, then they did this, then they did this, but Paul's putting him in position, himself in the position to accomplish the point. So we move on to, to verse 9 through 12. It says, When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, which was part of a, a Jewish religious holiday, Paul began to admonish them and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Okay. Paul, not having heard from God yet, specifically says, this doesn't make sense, guys. Why are we going this time of year? There's storms. The winds aren't right. It's not a good time of year to travel. So the circumstances were telling Paul, we, we shouldn't leave yet. Sometimes that's where we start. We look at what we see, and we say the timing's not right yet, and we share that. Paul's doing that. But then we see, but the centurion, who's in charge of Paul, was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Who are the experts at sailing? The pilot, captain of the ship, they said, we can do this. We can do this. And so the centurion, who was really making the decisions about their trip to Rome, said, okay, I'm going to trust you guys. Even though Paul says we probably shouldn't do it, circumstances say we probably shouldn't do it, the time of year say we probably shouldn't do it, but we're going to do it. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision that often happens. Do you ever make a, a little list of things? All the goods, all the bads. The majority says good, so let's do it, even though one of the bads may put you in a difficult situation. 
you may be in a position to, to wait. But they said, no, we've got a three out of four vote. We're moving forward. <coughs> so they put out to sea from there. If somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So that was the plan, to get there. Take away two. Be realistic about your circumstances. Paul was. This may not be a good time. Realize others don't understand the point. We got to get to Rome. We don't need to die here. We got to get to Rome. And don't be discouraged when decisions go against you. See, so often we, we are headed toward a course of being a follower of Christ and sharing the gospel with people we see as we come in contact and we get discouraged. Something happens. People don't agree with us. Some obstacle gets in the way. And we say, eh, maybe we shouldn't do that. But don't. Then we move on. Acts 27, 13 through 20. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close in shore. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind, calling Eurekio. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Think about that phrase. So often when we get in a position that we're discouraged or things haven't gone our way, we just kind of let the world take us along. We forget what our point is. We forget what our purpose is. Circumstances of life just push us and push us and push us. And we just kind of give in and let it take us. Not remembering what the point is. So running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. <laughs> you ever feel that way? Just can't get your life, the ship, under control? That happens when we face storms. We're not under control. So we see this group of, we don't know yet, we're fixing to find out how many people are on this ship, but there's 276 people on this ship. And they're headed into things that aren't good for sailing. I'm not a sailing expert. I don't even understand all the stuff they talk about. But what I do understand is that Paul needs to get to Rome. They're encountering things that they could possibly not have had to encounter if they'd have just waited. But now they're in the midst of it. They're headed that way. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship. And fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis, they let down the anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Man, that's a tough place to be. 
We can make this. We can do this. The decision was, was made that we're going to do this. We're going to do it now. But now things in their life have become such that from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. You've got a, a ship full of, of, I'm assuming, all men that have just given up. We're not going to make it. We're going to die out here. It's all over. We're just going to abandon the possibility of hope. You may be that way. You may know people who are in those circumstances right now. See, that's when, that's when God shows up. Keep watching. When storms come, you will be tempted to abandon the point and lose all hope. Take away number three. Don't. Okay? Don't give up on the point. Don't abandon it. Paul knew what his point was. He's trying to give instruction. He's trying to counsel even when people aren't agreeing with him. But he's a part of the group. Don't give up. Don't abandon what you know to be what God has already told you to do, which we looked at. We know what Paul's point is. God shows up. Here's the focal point of this passage, I believe. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, now, Paul's a little snarky right here. Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. We would say that, I told you so. We're right in the midst of this. It's not going well. I told you we should have waited. However, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. Remember, they've abandoned all hope. Keep up your courage for there will be no loss of life among you. Only the ship. That's, that's the verse that I heard at that conference at the end of April that stuck with me all this time. I couldn't quit thinking about it. Couldn't quit meditating about it. There will be no loss of life, but for only the ship. The ship is only a means to get them there. It's not their point. It's not their purpose. We're going to see that. For this very night, an angel of God, for this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood before me, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Okay? Jesus has already told him. You're going to go before Caesar. This angel representing God, speaking for God, Paul hearing him as God speaking to him, says, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. All. Okay? Not some of them. Yes, the centurion. Yes, the captain. Yes, the sailors. All of them. The soldiers. All of them. 
Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. Okay? See, now Paul is now speaking as an authority representing God. Why? Because he heard from God. (laughs) There's no doubt in his mind that he had encountered God by way of the angel speaking to him. This is what's going to happen. So there's no reason to abandon hope because God has spoken and said, we're all going to make it. All of us, me, all the rest of you, we're going to make it. But reality's still there. But we must run aground on a certain island. Paul doesn't forget the reality. We're still going to shipwreck. Still going to have an issue. But we're all going to make it. Takeaway number four. When God confirms the point, hear him, believe him, and share it with others as you carry on toward completion. So that's what Paul does. Paul could have heard from God knowing that we're going to make it. Has God ever spoken to you something and you believe God when you hear it? but you don't let anybody else know. See, so often when God speaks to us, it's important that we share that with others. That's the point of what Paul's doing. Ever since back in Acts 9, when he became a follower of Christ, God charged him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. To the Jews first. Yeah, some of them will listen, some won't, most won't. Take it to the Gentiles. So Paul knows his big point, and now he continues to share that. We've got 275 other people here, take away two, that are Luke, who's writing this, and Aristarchus, who's traveling with Paul. So you've got 273 people who probably don't know Jesus. 273. And Paul's got a word from God that says, y'all are going to make it. You're not going to die out here. Twenty-seven through 32 as we continue the story. But when the 14th night came, as we were being driven about the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors, another group of people there, began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And a little farther on their, a little farther on, they took another sounding and found it to be 15 fathoms. So they're getting closer. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast out four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship, they didn't want to crash. They didn't want to die that way. They still didn't really believe Paul. And had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow. They were trying to get out. And we're going to get away from this. We're not going to die with this ship. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers who were under the centurion, 
Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. He took away through Paul's instruction from Paul hearing from God, and he communicated to the centurion who was on char- in charge on that ship. They cut away the escape route for these men. That probably would have killed them if they would have escaped. Because Paul, Paul got word from God, remember, you're all going to make it, but you've got to stay here. You've got to stay a part of this ship if you're going to make it. Takeaway number five, when others are fearfully ready to jump ship, be encouraged when some begin to listen and to understand the point. See, the centurions beginning to buy in to what Paul's telling them. Remember earlier, he didn't listen to Paul. He listened to the captain and the pilot of the ship. See, now Paul has heard from God. So now you have the power of God's word given from God through the angel to Paul to these other men that's now affecting the decisions made by the centurion. Beginning to understand what this is all about. Or at least a little bit to understand. I'm going to believe Paul's God. I like his answer better than what I'm seeing around me. We move on to Acts 27, 33 through 38, encouraged by eating. Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. That's a long time. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation. For not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. He's reiterating what God has told him. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged. And they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were 276 persons. And it says through Luke's writing, all of them were encouraged by Paul's words. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. They're still doing very practical things They're getting rid of stuff they don't need to make sure that the landing goes well. Okay? Sometimes we have to do that in our lives. We have to get rid of stuff in the process of falling after the point, what God's told us to do. Takeaway number six. When they warm up to the truth of the point, this is for us. Okay? This is what Paul did as an example in this passage. When they, whoever they are in your lives, when they warm up to the truth of the point, encourage them repeatedly. You keep encouraging. You don't think Paul didn't encourage that centurion when he saw that he was beginning to believe him? 
to accept his authority from God? Paul continues to encourage them repeatedly. Repeat the truth of the point and then encourage them some more. You know, if you've ever shared the gospel with somebody, you may have been rejected the first time. But often, you'll come back and have more conversations with them about that because they become curious. It's the Holy Spirit working in their lives. So you continue to encourage them. You know, at this point in the story, we see no one's been saved yet. From a physical point of view, in a ship dealing with hard weather, or from a spiritual point of view, they haven't been saved. But Paul continues to encourage in that process. Finish up the chapter. When day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach. And they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea. No turning back now. While at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind, they were heading for the beach. But striking a reef, which was probably a sandbar in that part of the world, where two seas met, they ran the gressel the gressel, that's a new term. They ran the vessel aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers' plan, okay, another group of people in the context of this ship, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. Why would they want to do that? Well, that was their job. Those prisoners were supposed to get to where they were taking them alive so they could face trial. So the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. They were just doing their job. But the centurion, who's beginning to get the point, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest should follow, some on planks, others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they all were brought safely to land. I want you to notice something in this last little paragraph of this chapter. They all didn't swim to land. Someone probably didn't know how. His instructions, if you can't swim, grab a plank. If you can't swim or grab a plank, grab something to hold on to because you're going to make it to the shore. going to be saved. What I want you to hear in that, and I don't think Luke puts it in there by accident. I think that's what really happened. But I also think it's for us to see that there's lots of different ways, processes that the point, the gospel, can be communicated to people. 
Sometimes it's just by loving them real well. We may not share John 3.16 with them. We may not pull out a book of four spiritual laws and go through the process with them. We may just love them well. This is the way they come to salvation. So in Luke, being very specific about different ways to get to their salvation. It's all about Jesus Christ is the point. That, that doesn't change from a spiritual point of view. But, but the method of getting there may look a little different. There's no script. There's no formula other than Jesus died for me and I believe that and I choose to follow him. They all were brought safely to land. So, takeaway seven, last takeaway. Obstacles will arise until all are saved. Count on others who get the point. Give them multiple vehicles to reach safety. And celebrate that God is faithful and believable when he speaks. See, that this whole, this whole series about hearing God, that last part of that takeaway is what it's all about. When God tells us something, whether it's through Scripture or whether it's through someone speaking or whether it's through another person, another believer, hearing from God, like in this case, our God is faithful and believable for us to carry out the point. Richard Halverson, who was a former chaplain in the United States Senate, said this, in the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centered on the living Christ. Very simple. That, that was their focus. That's what they were all about. Then the church moved to Greece. We get to read that in Acts about Paul taking the gospel to Greece. whole chapter about him encountering people there. But in Greece, it became a philosophy, one of many. Then it moved to Rome. You get to see Paul headed that way, where it became an institution. It became what we kind of know as the church today. Not this fellowship of people, but more of an institution. And next it moved to Europe, where it became a culture. It's just what you do. It's part of a culture. And then finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise or a business. Let that sink in because it's, it's true in so many ways. It's hard for us to hear that. So what we have to fight for is the original intent. It's a fellowship. It's between people. It's what this point is about what we do each and every week, what we do throughout the week what we do daily as followers of Christ. We, the church, today must push back against the point being our, our schedules, our services, our music, our programs, our conferences, our camps, our movements. The point has always been and will continue to be 
people. Remember, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. That's, that's what we have to remember. It's about the people. It's about the relationships you have, where you work, people you engage. Hopefully none of us will be on a ship headed toward trial and death. But it's still about the people. That's what we see from this example in Paul's life. It didn't matter. It's about the people. I've got 273 people with me and my two brothers in Christ on this ship, and we're going to make the best of it. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to hear from him. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to obey him and communicate it as much as I can. We have to remember it. It's about the people. So here's our points. God is going to save the people. It's, his, it's what he says in Scripture. It's his desire. See people come to a relationship with him. But the ship, maybe not going to make it. You know? And the ship being not the church, the institution of the church, the business of the church, individually, I may not make it. But see, the gospel, though, is going to carry on. Because who's the real church? It's not all those things that I read from that quote. It's the people. That's the church. That's why the people are important. It's about the people. It's about the people. The people are the point. So the question you've got to ask them that, if that's the point for us, who, who are your people? You know, who are those people that you cross paths with each and every day that you can share what God's speaking to you or showing you? And so you hearing God may not be for you alone, but also for someone else. Okay? So don't deny that. If you hear from God, man, that doesn't make sense. Maybe someone else needs to hear that. Share it with them. Hearing God becomes very important for us as followers of Christ. It may be for us, but it may be for somebody else. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity uh, today to be here and, and um, speak in this series. I thank you for showing me uh, through the words spoken out loud in my presence in Atlanta that caused me to remember and to be reminded of it's about the people. And then to come back with, with my guys on Thursday morning and to pick this chapter apart and be again reminded as we studied that verse by verse a couple of weeks ago that it's about the people. And that your point is to see people come to a relationship with you, to a a fellowship with you. Keep that ever at the forefront of our minds. Make us sensitive to those opportunities as we see them when we leave this place today. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being a part of what God's doing here at the Heights Fellowship. If the Lord led you to make a decision or you have a question or a need, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at the email listed below, info at theheightsfellowship.org. And we will join you in praying as you take a step forward on your journey with God.